we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. Glad you're joining us today on the American Family Radio Network. Our website is AFR.net. Our app is available for you to download the American Family Radio app. You can go to your app store, just type in AFR, or you can type in American Family Radio and download the app there on your app store. You can subscribe to the AFA at the Core podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Wherever you listen to podcasts, go ahead and subscribe to the AFA at the Core podcast. You know, uh, last month's report, AFA at the Core, was it's making its way up to the top, but it's still not at the top. Uh, So, Bobby, we're going to keep pushing this podcast, uh, this subscription, until we get up there to the top. Yeah, we're pushing hard, and we'll uh, we'll be adding our YouTube numbers and Facebook uh, numbers as well to those podcasts. So excellent uh, for those who aren't participating in said platforms, to their chagrin. <laughs> there you go. And we we do have the podcast on multiple platforms. Uh, you can go to Spotify and subscribe to AFA at the Core. You can do it on your native device, a podcast store, uh, and of course on the app. So we're out there, multiple platforms. So at your convenience go ahead and subscribe to the AFA at the Core podcast. During the last segment of today's show, we're going to have on Steve Dace. He's a conservative commentator, radio host, writer, columnist. We're going to have him on uh, to talk about, you know, what's the end game of of this pandemic? What's the end game of those who are utilizing this pandemic for political and ideological purposes? What is their end game? And will we ever get out of this? That's what we're going to talk with Steve Dace about in the last segment of today's show. Before we jump into the content, which I'm excited about, i got to remind you of a verse of the week out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life, life and peace. They will be added to you. So, there's a bit of encouragement and wisdom out of the book of Proverbs, uh, and that's especially relevant with me and with many of you out there who are fathers, who are parents, um, about how much uh, good and uh, fruit comes from children who obey their parents, who remember the wise teachings of their parents and their grandparents. So that's out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. American Family News, you heard it at the, at the, uh, during the break there before the show. Uh, American Family News, uh, what was once known as One News Now is now American Family News. So when you hear AFN.net, that's our new URL. Uh, American Family News is uh, up and running. We got our brand new website published today. It looks fabulous. We have a brand new app just published, the AFN app. So all things news here at our ministry is now American Family News. So same news, same news team, same everything except for our platform. Our website is brand new. American Family News website, AFN.net, is the three-letter URL to get to that site. 
uh, newly designed uh, app and website for for your consumption, and it's an excellent news service there. We've got a group of great reporters that keep you updated on the news of the day, all from a Christian perspective, and we try to focus on the core values of American Family Association. Senator Rand Paul uh, got booted from YouTube yesterday because YouTube just didn't like his statement uh, about freedom in America. And so, you know, just in, in pure defiance of YouTube, I'm going to play Senator Paul again. Yes, part one. I'm going to play it again. And we're going to come back and play part two, which we didn't even get to yesterday. Uh, so this is Senator Rand Paul talking about the importance of what's going on in our country and why freedom really is at stake when, when, we're, when we're fighting these ideological battles in America. Let's listen to clip one. It's time for us to resist. They can't arrest all of us. They can't keep all of your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed, although I've got a long list of ones they might keep closed or might ought to keep closed. <laughs> we don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. Nancy Pelosi, you will not arrest or stop me or anyone on my staff from doing our jobs. We have either had COVID, had the vaccine, or been offered the vaccine. We will make our own health choices. We will not show you a passport. We will not wear a mask. We will not be forced into random screenings and testings so you can continue your drunk with power reign over the Capitol. President Biden, we will not accept your agency's mandates or your reported moves towards a lockdown. No one should follow the CDC's anti-science mask mandates. And if you want to shut down federal agencies again, some of which aren't even back to work yet, I will stop every bill coming through the Senate with an amendment to cut their funding if they don't come back to work in person. Local bureaucrats and union bosses, we will not allow you to do more harm to our children again this year. Children are not at any more risk from COVID than they are from the seasonal flu. Every adult who works in schools has either had the vaccine or had their chance to get vaccinated. There is no reason for mask mandates, part-time schools, or any lockdown measures. Children are falling behind in school and are being harmed physically and psychologically by the tactics that you have used to keep them from the classroom during the last year. We won't allow it again. If a school system attempts to keep children from full-time in-person school, I will hold up every bill with two amendments, one to defund them and another to allow parents the choice of where the money goes for their child's education. Do I sound fed up to you? That's because I am. Well, there you have it. That's Senator Rand Paul uh, saying that he's done. He's done with the tyrannical orders. He's done wearing a face mask, even though he has natural immunity because he's had the virus. Um, he's been offered the vaccine. He's done with it. And, and students need to get back to school, need to stay in school because they are falling behind. And that is true. They are seriously falling behind and that's a disservice to our young children our, our young children and our teenagers across the country here's the last clip we're going to play and we're playing this all in defiance of youtube because had youtube not banned senator Rand paul over this clip of common sense statements that he's making then i probably wouldn't even be talking about this right now but instead i am so we're going to play clip two this is part two of senator Rand paul 
I'm not a career politician. I practiced medicine for 33 years. I graduated from Duke Medical School. I've worked in emergency rooms. I've studied immunology and virology, and I ultimately chose to become an eye surgeon. I've been telling everyone for a year now that Dr. Fauci and other public health bureaucrats were not following the science, and I've been proven right time and time again. But I'm not the only one who's fed up. I can't go anywhere these days without people coming up and thanking me for standing up for them, whether I'm at work or at events in Kentucky, at airports, in restaurants, or in stores. People thank me for taking a stand. They thank me for standing up for actual science, for standing up for freedom, for standing against mandates, lockdowns, and bureaucratic power grabs. I think the tide is turning as more and more people are willing to stand up. I see stories from across the country of parents standing up to the unions and school boards. I see brave moms standing up and saying, my kids need to go back to school in person. I see members of Congress refusing to comply with petty tyrant Pelosi. We are at a moment of truth and a crossroads. Will we allow these people to use fear and propaganda to do further harm to our society, economy, and children? Or will we stand together and say, absolutely not, not this time, I choose freedom? Well, there you have it. That's Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky talking about his view of our current situation that's going on in our country. And I don't even have to provide any commentary. That clip from the senator speaks for itself. The uh, other story I wanted to get to is what I've been warning about since I started my show here just uh, not that long ago. And that is Bidenflation. Bidenflation. I didn't coin the term, but I'm going to use it. That is inflation uh, brought about because of the policies of President Biden and his administration. Well, this is out of, really, I've got two uh, sources today. I've got CNN, imagine that, and I've got Breitbart. The first one from Breitbart is, here's the headline. Bidenflation, real hourly pay, suffers one of the worst collapses ever. It goes on to say that adjusted for inflation, hourly compensation fell 2.7% in the second quarter. Data released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics on the non-farm business sector showed on Tuesday. Another uh, outlet that admits the same thing or it confesses the same thing is CNN. Yes, CNN admits in their business section published yesterday. Here's the headline from CNN. Inflation wiped out America's pay raises. Goes on to say that inflation is, is eroding the wage increases that employers are giving to attract and keep workers. It goes on to say that prices are soaring, gas, gas costs more, food is more expensive, car prices are at a record level, and the, the price increases continue in various other sectors and with various other uh, products. So, you know, Bobby, for for the Democrats to claim that that Biden is helping the middle class, helping lower income families because of, I don't know, maybe they're getting more government handouts. Um, all that is being eaten up and more when you talk about inflation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a it, those those are really poignant articles because so many people you know, fail to realize that just because they're getting increased wages and things of that nature, 
uh, when inflation gets done with it, you're, you're, you're at such a deficit uh, relative to what you thought you would be at. And there's just so many things going on in the economy right now. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about a, a story about what OPEC is about to, to do and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things along those lines. You've got the Keystone Pipeline that's been closed down. Uh, there's so many opportunities to make inroads, and yet he refuses to use those opportunities. And uh, it's 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 at the detriment of the uh, the middle to lower lower income classes, and that's yeah. uh, it's a terrible shame. Yeah, and 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 this is this shows how ideologically driven the Democrats are. The Democrats are so ideologically driven that they're willing to hurt American workers, hurt American families in the name of their politics. And whatever their politics are, uh, whatever their end game here is, and honestly, their end game appears to be destroy America, destroy America through terrible policies that we all know. Even even the quote experts and the economists, they all know that these policies don't work. They they don't work. These ideas don't work. The ideas of selling our country out to other countries, the idea of pumping trillions into our economy over the course of months. That all does not work in the long game, and we're beginning to see that. You know, I'm going to go ahead and predict here, and we'll cover it on the show later in coming weeks and months, but I'm going to, I'm going to predict that this, this gap here continues to increase. This gap between inflation and, and uh, America's pay raises or American— um, Yeah, real wages. Yeah, yeah. real mm-hmm. wages. I, I'm going to predict that this, this gap continues to increase, and here's why. Uh, companies— companies cannot continue increasing the price of goods at the rate they're doing and expect to continue selling product. So what's the other alternative? If you're a business owner, if you're a corporation, the other alternative to cut cost is to cut your salaries of your employees to help offset the cost that it's uh, uh, to produce products, uh, to purchase raw materials. Uh, This is going to fall back on the workers. So those who think that that, that wages can follow inflation and that it can all be a break-even in, in the long run, that's not true. That's not happening. American workers are suffering when it comes to their pay, and inflation is soaring past the, uh, the uh, regular uh, standard employee pay as we see it. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. We have some very interesting stories coming up after the break so stay tuned and don't forget if you want to live stream the show go to afr.net you can listen to the audio live there we'll be back in a few minutes Woe to those who enact evil statutes and to those who constantly record unjust decisions. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. U.S. National Institutes of Health Director Francis Collins said in an interview on CNN's New Day that vaccinated parents of unvaccinated kids should be thoughtful about it and wear masks inside of their own homes, if their children are unvaccinated, of course. He said it's the best way to protect your kids. He said this even though Mr. Robinette's top COVID advisor, epidemiologist Dr. Michael Osterholm, said previously on CNN that masks people use do not work. They know what Dr. Osterholm knows, yet they push the mask nonsense for one primary reason. Control. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Canceled vacations, college rejection letters, cross-country moves. Plans change. It's a part of life. It's okay for your daughter to grieve the loss of the experience she thought she'd have and be disappointed in the way the change has impacted her life. Feeling like she's allowed to feel her feelings is a critical component to raising an emotionally healthy person. The important lesson to teach your girl in the midst of plans changing is that nothing comes as a surprise to God. While we plan for what we think is going to be our reality, God's plans are bigger and His view is wider. Proverbs reminds us, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. The Core on American Family Radio, that is Phil Wickham. The song is This Is Amazing Grace, and this is Worship Wednesday 
here on AFA at the Core. So each Wednesday we bring you a worship song coming back into the second segment of the show there. And just a couple of the lyrics here. Phil Wickham sings, This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. And that's what Jesus has done for each and every one of us who are believers in Jesus Christ for eternal salvation as the Son of God. That is what Jesus did for us. And as I cited a couple weeks ago, you know, this is all while we are yet sinners. Romans says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. He says that. And um, it's just, it's it's really a miracle. It is a miracle that, that God would, while we're still rebellious, while we're still sinners, while we still turn our back on him, we're, we're wholly unrighteous for eternal salvation. He still comes for us. And that's what he did on the cross uh, over 2,000 years ago is he died, he took our place, he was the replacement for us on the cross to take our, our sin and our burden and that's what he does there. That's what that song is about. And I want to encourage each and every one of you, uh, as you're uh, worshiping, as you're listening to music, and worship doesn't just have to come through song. Uh, your life should be an act of worship to uh, Christ. But uh, be sure that the songs that you're listening to have uh, Bible-based lyrics, uh, that the lyrics are rooted in Scripture. And Bobby, you uh, you're into the you're into music. I know you play the drums. You played it at our annual conference a few months ago. Uh, but but it, isn't it true that it's so important that our that our worship is Bible based? Amen. Uh, I've heard it said before: the good Lord uh, has created all melody, uh, but He has left it to man to add the lyrics. Mm. So it's in, 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 important on us that we. Uh, write songs that glorify the Lord, that uh, have man's best interests, have the Lord's best interests, our fellow man's best interests, uh, and we're uh, a good example in doing so. Yeah, absolutely. So make sure you're, the music you're listening to is edifying, and uh, especially when you're listening to Christian music, make sure that the lyrics are rooted in God's Word, rooted in Scripture. Uh, worshiping through God's Word is some of, is the best Worship. Uh, welcome back to AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. A couple other stories I want to get to this segment. The, the U.S., more specifically the Biden administration in recent months, has halted, cut off, ended the Keystone Pipeline expansion, which would carry oil from Canada into the U.S. and increase our domestic supply here from a from an ally country, a country, a bordering country in Canada. Well, the uh, the White House, uh, the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, so the White House is now requesting that OPEC, which is a Middle Eastern supplied oil uh, conglomerate, uh, that OPEC increase production and in return increase imports of oil into America. And so here we are as a country, and we have the ability, should we choose, and thankfully President Trump did this when he was in office, but we have the ability to be energy independent, to produce our own energy enough to where we are not reliant in any manner 
uh, for foreign imports. Not that we don't use foreign imports, but that we don't absolutely have to have them. That's what energy independence means. It means that if we needed, we could supply all of our own energy, including oil, by using resources domestically here in our homeland. That's what energy independence is about. And it decreases energy independence is good for America. Not only does it increase um, energy sector jobs, but it also ensures that we're not reliant on countries that could use our energy supply that we need from them against us as leverage. So it's so important that we are energy independent. Well, we're not now because of the Biden administration's domestic policies, but the White House is now asking OPEC to increase oil production and in in turn increase uh, supply into the U.S. So here we are, instead of being uh, energy independent, instead of everything being America first, uh, we are looking at OPEC first when it comes to our energy policy. And that surely is a shame uh, that uh, energy uh, sector workers have been laid off in America and instead those jobs are being shipped overseas, uh, quite literally being shipped overseas Uh, to where we're relying on Middle East oil once again, and we are not energy independent. And, uh, you know, energy independence is important because uh, we're going to talk about China and what they're doing for energy independence, Uh, but a country should be able to operate fully independent from other countries having to supply us energy. That's good for national security, and it's good for the American economy, as I mentioned. This other story I wanted to get to You know, the U.N. put out a report this week uh, raising the alarm on global warming or climate change. It depends on which day of the week it is on on what they call it. But, um, you know, America has been beaten and and shamed on our uh, uh, CO2 emissions. We've been told that we're the problem child of the world, uh, that we're, we're, we're driving these dirty cars around and we need to go to clean energy. We need to go to, by the way, the definition of clean energy is very subjective. Um, but uh, because it's all, it's all the premise of the term clean energy, the premise of that term is that, is that oil is dirty energy, is that CO2 emissions from your vehicle, that is a dirty, um, that's a dirty energy source. Well, that, that's assuming that all the fake global warming studies are true. Uh, that it affects the ozone layer and all that garbage. But I don't believe any of that. Um, so I, I would actually say that that oil is a clean uh, energy and is is a good energy source. Not only is it clean, but it's very, very reliable. Well, um, China, they, they are the top emitter. And that's what's so laughable when, when, these, when these Democrats, when these um, environmentalists, try to come after the U.S. and say that we all need to be driving Teslas and we all need to be using these uh, solar farm, or these uh, wind-powered mills to produce our energy. Well, Texas tried that. <laughs> How did that work out during this ice storm a few months ago? It didn't work out very well at all. Do you have a portable heater on you by any chance? Yeah, my phone, if I use it enough, it warms up with the, with the little lithium-ion battery. Um, but, yeah, uh, Texas Mini went, out, went without... Um, power, which in turn went without heat, and it actually was deadly for some people. And so that's a serious situation. And because some, some of it was because the um, the energy supplier there just wasn't expecting the demand, but the other part of it was that the uh, the windmill wasn't spinning 
thus wasn't producing energy for parts of Texas. So multiple problems there. But nonetheless, China is the number one emitter of pollution or, um, as some call it, dirty energy. Well, they are actually increasing their coal production, their coal-powered plants. Get this. In uh, 2019, this was a study from 2019, China accounts for 30% of all global CO2 emissions out of the entire world. They make up 30% of all global CO2 emissions. And also in 2019, 58% of the country's total energy consumption came from coal, which helps explain why China accounts for 20% of the global CO2 emissions. Well, China, they're chugging on. They are chugging on. They're, they're producing, they're building more coal power plants as we speak. They're building more. And they, pl- they don't plan to stop. They're building more and more. And here's why. China is focused primarily on their economy. Their manufacturing industry is having trouble pr- getting enough power from these power plants to run the facilities. These massive manufacturing facilities in China, um, China doesn't have the grid, have the power supply to uh, run all these uh, uh, industries, all these buildings, all these manufacturing facilities. So what is China doing? They're building more coal power plants. And so the UN is out here telling America and the rest of the world that we need to get in line and we need to all be driving our Teslas and we need to be riding our bikes 10 miles to work each morning. And here China is, here China is the top polluter uh, adding more coal powered plants uh, domestically there because they want to keep their economy growing. They want to keep people employed and keep things going on there. And I know China's a communist regime. Uh, they're no, you know, free market capitalistic economy, uh, but even their leaders understand the need for energy and the need to continue growing and expanding and providing power to buildings in China. Bobby? Yeah, the other, the other thing to keep in mind with China is China doesn't have uh, oil and natural gas resources per se that they can tap into and drill and, and that sort of thing. They're one of the leading importers of oil and natural gas resources in the world, uh, hence the need for, for coal fire, uh, coal-fired plants. And uh, I saw a statistic not too long ago. They were averaging a new plant every week, not every month, wow. a new plant every week. Whether they're still on that pace or not, I'm not sure, but I know at one time they were building a plan a week. Yeah, and this 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 drives the entire hesitancy from many uh, to adopt these globalist standards on reducing emissions. Because what's going to happen, and what happened under Obama's days, is America follows the rules. Because right, we're all rule followers. And what, what, what happened under Obama's days, under the Paris Climate Accord and other agreements, is America started reducing emissions, or at least trying to, putting in all these EPA standards and putting in all these um, solar farms and all these wind farms. Meanwhile, the rest of the world, pretty much the rest of the world, including China, they completely ignored everything that the UN was trying to do. They completely ignored it. And so why would America 
in the name of globalism and this climate change hoax, why would America kowtow to the globalist, reduce our energy independence, and reduce our sustainable energy supplies all in the name of something that is not even rooted in science, and that is the, 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 the global warming hoax. Why would we do that? It doesn't make sense if you're focused on America and focusing on protecting our uh, energy supply and focused on protecting American jobs. It really doesn't add up, and that's why President Trump did what he did. He exited the Paris Climate Accord. He deregulated the energy uh, industry, and in return, gas prices went down. Uh, we, we became energy independent. It was overall good for America. Keystone Pipeline uh, was, was beginning to be uh, built and expanded. But now Biden's in office, and we're not focused on America first. We're focused on everybody else first, which is not good for our country. And the next segment we're going to have on Steve Dace to talk about the uh, COVID restrictions and the COVID pandemic and really where is, what, where is the way out. Uh, but before we get to the break, I'm going to play clip three. This is Pete Buttigieg, the Department of Transportation Secretary on the infrastructure bills that are going through Congress. Let's listen to clip three. Should we expect to see some election infrastructure placed in the human infrastructure bill so that at least your, your folks can vote? I don't know the finer points of what the Senate negotiators will be prepared to put in or what will get past the parliamentarian, but I know this. Whatever the vehicle is, the president has called on Congress, called on America to pass real voter protections, whether we're talking about uh, the John Lewis Act, the For the People Act, all of the things that need to happen in order to make sure that we protect that foundation. I, I, I admire this idea uh, of it being a kind of democratic or moral infrastructure, but whatever you, you want to call it, it's a sacred right, it's a right it's part of what makes america america and we have to pursue that as well all right the question is walker why did you play that clip why did you play that clip the reason i played that clip is because did you hear the words there he used moral infrastructure moral infrastructure what on earth is that and this goes back to the entire definition of infrastructure and how it's been the last few months the last six months since the biden administration it's elastic now. Infrastructure means whatever you want it to mean. If the Republicans tried to do this under Trump, they would have been mocked. They would have been made fun of. The dictionaries would have brought out, been brought out, slapped on the table and said, Republicans, what you're trying to do is not infrastructure. Roads, bridges, and railways, that's infrastructure. Well, guess what? Roads, railways, and bridges make up a tiny percent of this, of this entire bill. It's all the wish list of the, the Democrats, and this was all passed thanks to the Republicans. We'll be back in a few minutes. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session starts September 13th. Want to know how you can stay connected with the American Family Association? Just visit afa.net forward slash connect. 
There, you have access to all of AFA's mobile apps, social media accounts, subscriptions, and more. Be the first to stay up to date and informed about current events happening in our culture. Simply visit afa.net forward slash connect. In churches, and a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality, is now available for church screenings and events. Every person in America needs to see this. And all pastors need to show this to the church, get the people informed. If the church and Jesus isn't the answer, where's the world going? We want the message of the film to touch as many hearts and lives as possible. And we'd love to join with you to bring the film to your community. So let's say you have a small group or your church, or we've even been bringing the film into some prisons. We want to partner with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's completely free and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the host an event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. I'm Peter Rosenberger and this is your Caregiver Minute. Much of the heartache I've endured as a caregiver has resulted from my unwillingness to accept things as they are. A friend recently told me, acceptance doesn't mean agreement. I may not agree with or like what I have to carry, witness, or endure, but I can accept that it is what it is and be calmer while enduring it. That doesn't mean it's fatalistic, just means it's realistic. My wife helped teach me this when she lost both of her legs. She didn't like being a double amputee, but it became her new reality, and striving against it or wishing something different wasn't going to bring back her legs. As caregivers, we can accept things without agreeing with them. And in the process, we can live a little more peaceful with the often chaotic events in our life. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope, a ministry for the wounded and those who care for them. There's more information at standingwithhope.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the show, AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Last segment here. Wasting no time on the line with us is Steve Dace, host of the Steve Dace Show and also author of Fauci and Bargain, which I've interviewed him on his latest book. Steve, welcome to AFA at the Core. Good to talk to you again, brother. Hope you and your family and your ministry are doing well. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate the the kind words there. Hey, um, I, I follow you on Twitter. Uh, that's when they're not shadow banning you. And uh, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, you, you had an interesting thread where uh, you really laid out um, the, the the thought and the conversation to be thinking about about where this ends, how this goes, what is the path out of this pandemic. Talk a little bit about that and really the situation that we're in uh, that, ha- that we've been placed in by these so-called experts. You know, I, I think, Walker, that this is the biggest threat on a granular level. Um, I mean, if you were in those towers on 9-11 or you had a loved one there, you felt it personally. But if you didn't, outside of that first week of memorials and remembrances, we got back to being in America and playing football games and back to school within a week. 
So unless you had a loved one that was serving in Afghanistan and then later Iraq, it really wasn't personal to a lot of the American people. And I really think this is the first time. Uh, I mean, if you were black in the South, Jim Crow was personal to you. If you were white in Ohio, it wasn't. This is the first time that there has been on a macro level, coast to coast, regardless of uh, race or socioeconomic status or geography, I think since World War II, that there has been on a granular individual level a threat to the average American's freedom. And the problem we have here is, unlike in World War II, everybody knew what a win looked like, right? Um, that somebody's got to show up, you know, either in Berlin or Tokyo, hopefully both, and sign a surrender document unconditionally. That's a win. We don't know what a win is here. And so we just do this constant drain circling. It's creating more enmity, more division. Uh, the, more, the, the efficacy of the vaccines wane. CDC admitted on Friday that uh, with the new, they're, they're of no use, really, from an efficacy standpoint to the new variant from, from stopping transmissions. Uh, and you're seeing that, for example, cases in New York State have gone up 522% in the last 60 days. And unlike where you live uh, down in Mississippi, it is not their season. Like you guys are having your Sunbelt wave uh, down there. They already had their wave in the, at, the, at the end of the winter. And cases are still exploding there despite higher vaccination rates. You look at the data in Israel, for example. Uh, there's data out today uh, that the Pfizer vaccine loses at least 30, is losing at least 30% of its efficacy uh, now as we continue on. And they're talking about booster shot after booster shot. And so the, what's happening now is a lot of Americans were turning on each other. Well, you, you didn't wear a mask. You didn't get vaccinated. Um, or you believe the vaccination. Uh, I mean, and on and on it goes. When in reality, this is really a question of the fact our leaders have been disingenuous, Walker, dishonest, and ineffective. Uh, other than that, I'm sure they have a wonderful singing voice. <laughs> I, I look at, uh, for example, this morning. There's a clip going around this morning of Anthony Fauci saying, well, you know, you might just have to sacrifice your individual freedoms for vaccination mandates. And one of the reasons he cites is the explosion, he says, of kids in, that are getting hospitalized with COVID. Walker, I went right on the CDC website. Their latest data shows 1.8% of hospitalizations for COVID in America are school-aged children. 1.8. That is actually 112% lower than what the number was at the end of the last school year. In fact, at no point during this entire pandemic has, have we had more than 3.4% of hospitalizations in America for COVID. What he said, it's not even deceptive. It's just, it's, it's not, it's beyond a lie. It's, it's gaslighting. It's, it's untruth. Okay. It's what, it's what Jesus said about the enemy. There is no truth in him. Okay. And, and so we need a metric. What is a win? The problem is that to get there, to know how we get out of this, the problem is twofold. Number one, we don't have an objective source of information now that we would all go to. It's not 1971, and we're all going to tune into Walter Cronkite at 6 o'clock tonight and find out what the objective information in the world is. Hmm. There's no place we can go where, where most of America is going to say, all right, yeah, you're right, okay, I think that that's objectively true. That's a problem. Um, and then the second, the, pro the second factor of that, Walker, is even if we had an objective source of information, what is the metric? All right, because this was originally in order to slow hospitalizations from being overcrowded and overrun. Uh, and so you look at deaths. Um, Monday, 
was the 120, uh, I think, fifth consecutive day America has been under 1,000 deaths with COVID. It's currently the eighth-rated killer in America, eighth, eighth, just above diabetes, okay? Mm. So de- deaths are well, well under control. Well, if you bring that up, immediately you're confronted, well, look at the soaring cases. Cases in the country have exploded, like 200% since the month of July. Right. But so far, we've not seen a requisite rise in deaths as a result of that. So everybody has we, we, we don't even know what is the win. If you want zero covid, get ready for permanent fascism. Yes, that's Australia. That's New Zealand. And whether that's the intent here or not, the end result is still the same. OK, so we can't define what a win is. And then we wouldn't know who to go to to tell us we won. Other than that, Brother, we are in some great shape right now. Yeah, Steve, Steve, you know, the, the part about Fauci and the interview about him doing the, the pandering and the fear-mongering on the children being hospitalized, and, 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 and you looked at the total case numbers, the total hospitalizations in the U.S., and it's 1, 1.8% of those are children. Well, th- th- that's when you need journalists. If we had true journalists and not propagandists in America, right. you would have a journalist right. return to Dr. Fauci and say, well, Dr. Fauci— what is a good number for you? What is the goal of hospitalizations for young people that you would feel good about where people can have their freedom back? Our current case fatality rate for COVID in America is 0.59%. In April of 2020, it was 9% Walker. That is a tremendous accomplishment. And keep in mind that it's only been since last fall that they've offered you treatments other than stay home and isolate until you cannot breathe. One of them they're offering, remdesivir, sucks. It doesn't work. The other one, Regeneron, which is what they gave President Trump, that's the monoclonal antibodies, um, it does work. Both of these are very expensive. You have to go to the hospital to receive them. But, but we only just started actively treating this. For, for, for seven months, we told people, if you test positive, go home and isolate for 14 days. Um, and then wait to see if you don't have any symptoms. If you do show symptoms and you can't breathe, then come to the ER, we'll put you on a ventilator. I mean, apparently we were out of leeches, okay? I mean, that is that is 4th century, 14th century type of medicine with, 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 with a ventilator. The idea that we have no other me- means or methods, we don't know anything else about how to treat the symptoms of a respiratory virus is just absolutely insane. But the problem was um, they don't want you to have any hope, as my assistant Todd says on the show. So, you know, uh, Didier Rialt, a leading uh, scientist, immunologist in the world, comes out in March of 2020 with a data that shows, shows promising um, efficaciousness of hydroxychloroquine. The world celebrates, Trump mentions it, and suddenly it's a dangerous drug, despite the fact it's been FDA approved for 60 years. Ivermectin, which won the Nobel Prize in 2015, its, its efficacy data is even better than HCQ, markedly better. Hmm. Uh, it's what basically got I- India with less than 7% of its population vaccinated over the Delta variant, which is where the Delta variant began. And yet, again, we just completely smeared this. It's unsafe. Don't use it. This drug just won the freaking Nobel Prize a few years ago, okay? And so we're not even using all of the the available means of treating this um, outpatient. And still, the CFR has gone from 9% in April of 2020 to 0.59%. And yet much of our media and much of our health officials are acting as if it is still April 2020. Why? All I can tell you is there's only bad answers to that. Steve, that that right there about the, 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 the treatment and the preventative measures, that should be criminal. 
Doctor, the, the FDA. That's Nuremberg style crimes, yeah, brother, yes, is what that is. Yes, yeah. the FDA and everyone, if they were honest with themselves, back when Trump was in office, they would have all admitted, they should have admitted that hydroxychloroquine and these other alternative treatments were actually showing effectiveness and they were actually working. We have uh, uh, the doctor out of New York that was using them, or New Jersey that was using them from the day one of the pandemic. Uh, but, but, the whole go home until you can't breathe, which I personally heard of that being done, and not these are people who are extremely high risk. There's literally no downside to trying something to try to help them, and they tell them to go home until you can't breathe and then come to the ER. Um, that, that should be criminal to not even give patients an option to take something that could save their life. And then at the same time, you're demanding, I mean, Lindsey Graham said this morning, uh, get vaccinated. Uh, I got vaccinated and I still got COVID. Um, you want us to run out and do what didn't work for you. Okay. Um, they have ignored natural immunity this entire time. And see, that, that and, the, and the lack of outpatient treatment. In the 21st century, the idea that we have no outpatient means whatsoever to treat a respiratory virus is it's not even just in, insulting it's criminal walker as you said uh but but then the idea that natural immunity doesn't exist there have every study they have done on this has shown natural immunity has more efficacy uh and longer efficacy than vaccine immunity does against the virus israel's real-time data shows this israel's real-time data is the reason we're going with israel it's one of the most vaccinated countries in the world all right. Israel's real-time data is showing Walker 40% of its new cases are people that were fully vaccinated. Yes. Less than 1% of its new cases are from people that were known to have had a COVID infection and recovered. It's almost like the God-given immunological system actually still works out there. And so they want to deny that. They, keep, they tell people, they either say, you know, natural immunity doesn't exist. This is what has turned a guy like Dr. Marty McCarry at Johns Hopkins, who probably a year ago, would have not come on my show and thought I was basically a dangerous quack, now sounding like me in the pages of the Wall Street Journal, because he just can't handle anymore that they're denying one of the most basic facts of immunology, natural infection and immunological uh, or immuno immunity as a result of that. And so that's what has me suspicious more than everything else. It's the constant denial of scientific precedent and the acting as if certain things that don't fit a particular narrative, like ivermectin, just do not exist. Well, well, and also, Steve, this is uh, we we talk about these issues and these uh, inaccuracies without even talking about the money, the money side of this. And when I say the money side of this, I'm talking about the amount of billions of dollars that is tied up in these shots. And we, we really can't honestly call them vaccines anymore. They're shots. No, they're uh, therapeutics now. Yeah, they're, they're therapeutics. They they're, yeah, they're not and they're, vaccines. And, not, and before we even get to the constitutional question, on a medical level, there is no justification for mandating the, the, the injection of a, of a substance that doesn't cease or stymie human-to-human -human transmission. I mean, we don't have, we don't have ma mandates for the flu therapeutic, for example. Right. Okay? And you mentioned cost. If you went online right now, so here's what I would say to audiences like yours and mine. You kid, your doctor will not prescribe you ivermectin or the ivermectin zinc and a few other things, cocktail, prophylaxis. You can go to America's Frontline Doctors online, americasfrontlinedoctors.org, 
They have people uh, via telemed that will do that for you. That, that will, if they think that if they go through the diagnosis, these are MDs that will go ahead and do that for you. The reason your doctor probably won't is because it's not under CDC guidance. And a lot of doctors nowadays just take orders from CDC to avoid getting sued. They just do whatever CDC guidelines tell them. Mm-hmm. They don't think for themselves at all. Okay. So if you, but if you go to America's frontline doctors, you get that prescription and you could probably get the dosage you need of ivermectin from Walmart for 20 bucks. Do you know what it costs to go to the hospital to do the rendemsevir that doesn't work? At least three thousand. Three thousand dollars. Yeah. That yeah that and and so so you can't to your point and to what I mentioned earlier that this whole the the billions of dollars tied up in this have to be discussed uh, because that the we, we 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 can't act as if that man is not driven by money um, and so that needs to be an, an important factor here as to why. Our leaders uh, and the so-called experts are making the decisions and recommendations they are. Uh, could it be that there is money tied up in it for them? Uh, in the past, that has been proven to be true for this. We'll have to see. Uh, Steve Dace, thank you for coming on the show. Anytime, brother. God bless you guys. Take care. All right. Thank you, Steve. And uh, to, to Steve's point about what's going on in Israel, um, Israel went out and purchased about three-fourths of the shots that Israel as a nation purchased, as a state, uh, they purchased um, Pfizer, the Pfizer biotech shot. About three-fourths of the money, about $245 million was done to purchase that shot. Well, they have about 90% um, jabs in their country amongst adults, and 200 out of 300 of the patients in Uh, Out of the hospitalizations, 200 out of the 300 hospitalizations in Israel with COVID are of the group that are vaccinated. 200 of 300 have the shot, uh, both uh, shots from Pfizer there in Israel. So we'll continue to monitor this. AFA at the core, American Family Radio. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.